said, we've been in this series we're calling Relationship Goals. And what we've been trying to do as we've walked through this series is look at a couple different aspects of relationships. And it's very hard when it comes to relationships to talk to everybody in the room. And so we hoped that through these four weeks, and if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen to them. We tried to cover some of the major areas of relationships as we talk about relationships. So we looked the first week at kind of this idea of what is love. And we're hearing all these things from the culture. They're telling us this is what love is. It's this feeling in your heart and follow your heart. And God's word has a little something different to say about love. Then the second week we looked at baggage and, and how all of us as we walk into relationships just based on our life experiences, our story, our past, we've got baggage. And it's very easy to bring that into a relationship and one of the best things we can do is deal with it before. And then last week we looked at this idea of dating and that we cannot make the relationship the thing that's gonna complete us, the thing that's gonna fulfill us, but we have to make sure that God is the thing that fulfills us and that once we let God fulfill that ultimate need, we can date well. And so this week, it's gonna be kind of similar in the sense, um, but we wanna look at marriage. And I understand that most of you um, are not married and Shannon and I are probably the only two in here that are married. And so you might be like, well, what does, that, what does this have anything to do with my life? Well. You can put it on pause, put it on the back burner, maybe listen to it in a couple years when you're thinking about getting married. But it's always good to start talking about these things even before you may be looking at marriage. Because marriage is one of these things that can be very complex. It can also be very hard. And I think when you look on the outside, it can also be a little bit scary. You know, you're, you're going into this phase where, you know, what I wrestled through in my head was, I'm going from being this single guy that I can kind of do whatever I want. I can stay out late. I can hang out with my friends on a, you know, the drop of a dime. I can just call them up and say, let's do something to now we got to plan things weeks out. Somebody calls us, they're like, hey, you want to hang out tomorrow? And it's like, whoa, we got a kid now. We got each other now. We've got each other's schedules coming together. And it gets very hard but I don't wanna say this to like scare you, like, oh, you don't wanna get into marriage. It just takes work. It takes something that's, that, that you put your heart into. And so as you, probably most of us in this room will get married some point down the road, it's good for us to start thinking through these things and beginning to process as we look at marriage so that as we come into it, we're not hit with a brick wall and like, whoa, I did not expect this. And so, as we talk about this, I think in my life, I've seen something like marriage be something we've made so complex that we've tried to add all these different things and you've got to do this and you shouldn't do that. And, and so we made marriage very complex. And I think once we look at a passage here in a moment, it'll be a passage you may be very familiar with and has necessarily nothing to do with marriage, but I think makes marriage so much more simple. At the end of the day, marriage can be a very simple thing of a man and a woman coming together, loving each other and loving God. And so we're gonna look at that. But I don't know if you've ever had anything in your life that you've made complex that was very simple. There's many times I hear that from Shannon when I ask her, you know, what if we did it like this? And she's like, well, that just seems unnecessary. You could just do this and it'd be a lot simpler. Or what I hear often from not only her, but I've heard from other people that may ride with me at some point, um, I take the most complex ways to get to from point A to point B. You know, like I remember when I 
first uh, started working at Walmart here in Ashland, uh, probably the easiest way is just go down like Main Street and follow it literally all the way to Walmart. And I would go behind on these back roads because I felt like there's no police cars there so I could go a lot faster, even though the speed limit was a lot lower and nobody would catch me. And it was like, to me in my head, I thought I was getting to work a lot faster, but probably it made it more complex than it really needed to be. And so I don't know if you've ever had moments like that or things in life you've made complex or you've made hard or more difficult than they need to be. Um, but Seth Shannon and I, over the past you know, couple weeks, what we've been doing with our students is we've been going to Kalahari every year now. We used to go to our uh, national youth conference and we've had a lot of uh, a hard time getting students back into the groove of wanting to go to that. And so we've done this little weekend retreat at Kalahari each year. And so the past couple years we've done this and so this will be our third year doing it. And so I can remember I sat down, I tried to be the good youth pastor and email them in like January. So I'm like way ahead of time because we don't go till June or July. And I'm like, if I email them this far in advance, then we'll get everything set, everything will be great. And it will be easy um, coasting till the retreat. So I emailed them and I say, hey, you know, we're looking to bring our group back to Kalahari this year. Would these dates work? so that we could kind of book what we need to book. She emails me back and she says, that date's not available, but here's some other dates I can check on. Uh, do those work for you? And being the brilliant person I am, I get mad because what I had in my head are these dates in June and this is what I want to happen and they're not available. So now I get mad at her, even though it's not her fault for doing anything. And so I kind of throw this, baby fit, if you want to say, a tantrum, because I'm like, well, what are we going to do now? This was the one weekend that we had planned, and now it's not going to work, and so I start getting in my head, and, and so I email her back after talking to Shannon and Seth, and I go, okay, what other dates in June and July do you guys have available? And so she sends me some of these back, and I'm like, well, this weekend won't work because we've got students going to this camp, and this weekend won't work because we've got some students going to this camp. And, and so all the weekends that she started sending were, were not working out. And I'm like, I think it's over. So what happens is Shannon only works a couple days a week, and so on the days that Shannon's not working, Seth comes in my office and we start being brilliant and start brainstorming other ideas. Well, if we can't go to Kalahari, maybe we can brainstorm something different. So I start looking online at uh, VRBO and seeing like what's maybe like available up in the Sandusky area to where we could still maybe go to Kalahari with day passes, but it wouldn't be at Kalahari. And we find this house, find this house. I don't even know what it's called. You can probably find it if you look on there. But it basically is this massive, it almost looks like an apartment building that they've renovated and it can sleep up to 32 people, 32 people in it. And the first picture we see is this massive king's table. Like it's, it's, it's a huge table and it's got all these chairs sitting around it. And Seth, it's like, I showed him this and he's like, this is it. This is what we're doing. And so we start looking and, and then we're in too deep. We start looking at all the photos and we're like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. It's got a movie theater in this place, but there's only like eight 
recliners, so that doesn't make any sense. So it's not very big, but there's that in there. There's a game room. There's all this different stuff. What Seth is extremely excited about is there's this little bed that's called the hidey hole bed. And it's basically, they took this panel out in the wall and made this bed that that's all that's in there. And then you can put the panel back on. And so nobody would know you're in there. And Seth's like, that's my bed when we go. So we're getting all excited and we're getting juiced up. And we made this whole plan that on Friday, you know, we'd get there. And then on Saturday, uh, we would go to the beach and then in the afternoon, we might go to Cedar Point. And so, like, we may not even use Kalahari because they don't want us. We don't want them. And so we'll, we'll do our own thing. And so we had all this planned out, and, and then Shannon comes back to work. And I always run things past Shannon because I get in my head sometimes with my fantasy of this is what we should do for a retreat, and it'd be awesome. And, and so she comes in, and she goes, yeah, that's stupid. And I'm like, well... She didn't say it like that, but she was like, you know, did you think about like how many leaders we're going to need if we take all these kids to Cedar Point? And did you think about how we're going to get these kids to like the beach and to Cedar Point? And it's like, we kind of thought of those, but it was kind of a back burner thing. Like, hey, we'll figure it out when we get there. That's my mentality. You know, we don't need a plan ahead of time. We'll get it and we'll figure it out. And, and she starts going through all these things. And, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that she's my wife, so I have to agree with her. And so I'm like, yeah, Seth, I don't, I don't know what you were thinking. Like, you know, I was trying to tell you we we're getting too deep in it. And it was like, it was like both of us. I got to admit, though, I was so deep in it. I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And then she just shot it down like it's nothing. And you know what she did? Because the story's getting out of hand. You know what she did? She said, hey, did you ever just call Kalahari and see like what different options they had for us to rent rooms, maybe rent a house. Like, did you ever think to just call Kalahari? And in my, my mind, I'm starting to think through and I go, no, no, I didn't. I didn't think to call Kalahari. Why? Because I don't wanna talk to anybody. I don't wanna call them on the phone. They should give me all the options when I ask them. And so I said, Shannon, that'd be a great job for you. And so she calls them and to wrap this story up, she calls them and guess what? They gave us a different option. They gave us some different ways that we could book and we could still bring our kids up to Kalahari. And just yesterday, she finalized our spot to go up to Kalahari. And we made something so simple that it was like, oh, well, these rooms aren't gonna work and the dates that you want aren't gonna work. That all we had to do, one simple thing we had to do is just pick up the phone and call Kalahari and say, hey, what other options do you have? Could we maybe rent some smaller rooms and just rent more of those rooms? Could we get one of those villas you guys have? That's all we had to do. And we took something so simple and we're making such a complex plan that had all these different ideas, all these details for nothing. And by the way, it took us about two weeks to come up with this whole plan. That's how long we wasted on this whole thing. Two weeks of this is the plan and then that's not it. And I think so often when it comes to marriage, that's what happens is, is we think of all the different details, the different parts of marriage and we make it so complex. But at the end of the day, Marriage is, is just a reflection of this relationship that we have with God, that, that if God is the most important thing in your life, you're gonna do marriage well. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna give you the seven tips to the best marriage. I'm not gonna give you 25 things you can do to prepare for marriage. I, at the end of the day, I can go through all these things and if you wanna know tips, if you wanna know things that, that maybe you shouldn't do, I got a lot of those, I can give you those. 
But I'm not gonna sit here and tell them to you because I think everybody's different. Not all tips are gonna work for everybody and not all tricks are gonna work for everybody. But what I do know is that I think so often we make it so complex and at the end of the day, if you just boil it down, how important is your relationship with God? Because if that's the most important thing in your life, if God is the most top priority in your life, what you'll see in this passage is that when God is the top priority, you will love people well, you will do marriage well, because what will happen is you wanna become like him. And I think we try to add all these different parts and these keys and these tips and tricks, and it's like, I think we're making marriage complicated. Now, I don't wanna sit here and say that marriage isn't hard and that, that there isn't different moving parts, but, but I think at the very least, it can be very simple. And I think if we just look at the world around us, let's just be honest, the world hasn't figured out how to do marriage very well. Even Christians haven't figured out how to do marriage well, which is surprising that as, as we look at the truth, like marriage is such a high thing in God's kingdom, and yet you see the continuing rise of divorce and all these different things, even within the Christian faith. So, so it seems we haven't figured, quite figured out how to do marriage well, and so how do we? I, I think, like I said, when you go to a passage here in Matthew 22, I think you boil it down. I think this is the best advice I could give you as you look at marriage from God's word, his truth. And it's this idea, it's much simpler than that. That's what I wanna unpack just in these couple verses. It's much simpler than that. And in this passage in Matthew 22, if you're familiar at all with with the Bible, you've probably heard this verse before, these couple verses, but, but here's what we got. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. I think I may have missed a verse in there, but there, there is a small little verse in there that talks about them getting ready to, I think, test Jesus with a question, but hey, whatever. So, but basically here's the scene that's happening. Jesus is in this group with all these religious leaders. If you wanna know something about the religious leaders in the Bible, they were probably people I would assume that Jesus had the hardest time with. Hardest time liking, hardest time having conversations with because what happens so many times with the Pharisees that happens so often in our lives today is these people were motivated by works, not by faith. That in their heart, they thought if they did enough right things, then God would accept them. If they did certain things, then they would be able to be in this relationship with God, but it was out of a duty, not out of a desire. And so, Jesus, I think so many times was like, you guys are missing the point in this relationship. And so this is, this is the group that he's around. This is the group that's kind of backed him into a social corner, if you wanna say. And, and they come to him and they say, hey, I think we got something to trap Jesus. Because this whole time leading up to this, they're trying to find a way to trip Jesus up, trap him so that they can find a way to, to nail him to a cross to prosecute him. They wanna find a way to take this guy down because he's gaining popularity, he's gaining followers, and they need to do something to stop him. And so they're like, we got it. 
There's no way he can answer this question. What is the most important commandment? What is the greatest commandment? There's no way Jesus is going to be able to answer that. If you look in the Bible, there's commandments and there's laws and there's all this stuff all over. There's no way he can choose one of them. And they think in their head, this is going to be brilliant. He'll trip up. We'll be able to get him and this will all work out. Yet Jesus, being who he is, God in the flesh has the perfect answer and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here's what you need to know when it comes to marriage is that is this the top priority in your life? Like it seems so simple, it seems so basic. Taylor, what does this have anything to do with marriage? You have to understand that anything we do we need somebody to help us. We need somebody to give us the strength. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need somebody to give you that strength. You need somebody that you can pour your life out to. You need somebody that's gonna be the most important relationship because God is perfect. God is everything. And when your life, your heart becomes everything with God that you don't just love him with your mind, but you love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength with everything you've got. Everything revolves around God. God doesn't revolve around you. We forget that this is a relationship, that God wants to spend time with you, that God wants to build a life with you, that God so desperately wants you. He loves you more than anything and he just wants to be in a relationship and what you start to see in any relationship is that the more time you spend with them, the more you become like them. The more I spend time with Shannon, the more we become like each other. It's just the reality. You've probably been in a situation where you hang out with a bunch of friends and they start saying different phrases or they, they walk differently. You know, I used to always use the example, there was a couple guys that I was friends with as a freshman in high school and they were both seniors and they were kind of the cool kids when I was in band. You know, if you don't know, I was in band for a couple years, one of my brightest moments, but I, I was in band. And so these guys were like the cool guys in the band. And so I started to hang out with them more. And the more I got to know them, the more I started talking like them, the more I started walking like them, the more I started dressing like them. And, and I started to become like them. And I think what's happening as we see outside of the church in our world is that they don't have a foundation for their marriage. They don't have somebody that, that knows the perfection of marriage. They don't know, they don't have a foundation of the, some, somebody that knows the covenant of marriage. And so when God isn't the foundation, they're trying to base marriage off of what they think is right and what they think is wrong and what they think they should do or not do. And they become the kind of setter of the tone when it comes to the marriage. But when you, when you let God be that foundation in your marriage, he becomes the one that sets the tone. He becomes the one that starts to give you the way you should live and the way you should love and the way you should do marriage. But I think too many of us are getting distracted, even in just life in general, whether it's apart from marriage or not, that, that we don't take this relationship to the utmost importance. I'm as guilty as anybody else. You would say, well, Taylor, you know, this is what you get paid to do. Yeah, but at the same time, life gets busy. Life gets hard. Problems come up. Our children, our kids, kid right now, kids in a few months, it's, they have issues. 
And sometimes I don't always take the time to just sit with the Father and begin to see, I wanna invest in this relationship because what's supposed to happen as we get in this relationship is that we want to become one with him, that we wanna become like him, that his desires become our desires, his heart becomes our heart, his truth becomes our truth. And the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we're gonna understand how to love people well and that includes your significant other. The less time that I make God the most important thing in my life, the less you know, value I treat my wife, or the less that I know how to navigate different situations in my life, because we're two broken people. We come together in marriage because we love each other and, and, and we wanna do life together, but, but I'm never going to love Shannon to the utmost perfection that God can. I just never will. And so why would I not want to spend time with the person that is perfect, that loves well, that understands her the best and try to do it on my own? It won't work. And so as I spend more time with the Father, then out of that love, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. My significant other, my wife, your future husband, your future wife, she's in that loving your neighbor. She's in that loving other people. And as you begin to spend time with the Father, you understand what he values the most. You understand what's most important to him so that now as I go to love Shannon, as I go to love my wife, I know what is important, what's valuable to God, and that's what I'm gonna place in our relationship. I know that God loves her with everything she's got, the mistakes she's made, she's been forgiven. In this relationship, he's so jealous for her, and I want to love like that because I wanna please the Father because he's the top priority in my life. Because at the end of the day, I'm gonna disappoint Shannon. She's gonna disappoint me. And if I make Shannon the utmost important relationship in my life, I will be disappointed. There's only one relationship that will never disappoint. And it's very important that he puts these in the order that they're in. Love God first then you can love others. Because when you understand how God loves, you can love well. In your relationship when it comes to marriage, if your horizontal or your vertical relationship isn't placed with high value, your horizontal relationships won't be either. God so desperately wants you in a relationship he shows us how to do relationship. And marriage is that way in the simplicity of it all. It doesn't mean you're gonna figure everything out. It doesn't mean when, when we have conflict that just magically because I love God, he's gonna tell me how to navigate that conflict. He might help me and direct me, but I know that when we have conflict in our marriage, that God tells us to confront that conflict. God tells us to deal with that conflict. God tells us that we need to own our percentage of that blame. Even if it's only 5%, I gotta own all of that. And we gotta talk this out. I gotta ask for forgiveness just as I would ask God forgiveness for my sin. 
I understand that God places a high value on being in a covenant marriage. That means I'm not going and sleeping around with other women and I'm not trying to be in other relationships, but that my heart and soul is hers. And that when I made that covenant, that's what I was going to do the rest of my life, love her well. And because I spend so much time with God and he wants a covenant relationship with me, I begin to see what a covenant relationship really looks like with my wife. See, I think we just put all these tips and tricks into marriage. And if I would just spend more time with God, with the Father, who is the most important relationship in my life, it's going to help me navigate relationships on this earth so much more. Yet we don't go to the one person that knows everything. God created marriage. Go back to Genesis chapter two when he makes Adam fall asleep because he, he didn't find a helper that was fit for him. He's supposed to name all the animals. He, all the animals come and God goes, none of these are fit. None of these work for Adam. And so he creates woman out of man, a helper suitable. I heard somebody say, it, we hear that word helper and we think it's like this insuperior, but, but rather it's a collabor collaborator in this life. So he brings this collabor collaborator in his life and now he can do life with somebody and, and she doesn't complete him, but they're able to bring their two lives together and they become one flesh. It's a mystery, I can't explain it all, but basically what happens is we become this new creation you become one. It's just like a child. When we come together and we create a child, it's a new creation. It's bits and pieces from us both that now become one. And that's what this marriage is supposed to be, that it's not 50-50 come together, but 100% and 100% come together to form 100% new creation. And marriage becomes like that. And her desires become my desires. And her baggage becomes my baggage and my baggage becomes her baggage and, and, and we do life together and now our schedules, we have to run things by each other and we have to do life together and all these things get a little more complicated because that's how marriage works. It's two people coming together and doing life together. And God created this back in the Garden of Eden. And now what we've done is tried to add all this stuff to it. And I think what we need to do is just go back to the basics and just see, do we truly love God with everything we've got? Because when we love him with everything we've got, we'll begin to love our significant other with everything we've got. I can give you all these different things, but, but I don't know what specifically is gonna help each, each of you in your future when it comes to marriage. But what I do know is that God needs to be at the center. God needs to be the most important thing. And when he is, and the more time you spend with him, the more you're gonna figure out how to navigate a relationship. It's just like this, when it comes to relationships, you know, I'm not gonna plug this into a water source, but imagine this is plugged in somewhere maybe um, to a sink, whatever, and, and I turn the faucet on. And as the water starts to run through the hose, the purpose of this hose is to have the water travel through so that I can either water something, I can either fill something up. That's what the hose is supposed to do. 
But what happens in those moments when you've probably had this either growing up, you know, you got your sibling running out or somebody runs out and they start putting a kink in the hose or they start stepping on the hose. The hose isn't gonna work for the purpose that it's supposed to. There's something that's blocking the purpose of the hose. And I think what happens is, is when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to marriage, is like the purpose of marriage is, is to give this you know, covenant relationship where we do life together. And even more importantly, it's supposed to be this message to people of what God, his love for the church. Like we forget sometimes that one of the biggest tools that we can use when you become married is our own marriage to show people Jesus, to show people what this is all about. And so we walk around in our marriages and, and we're like, why isn't this working right? And it's like, well, maybe we're not spending so much time together. Okay, well, that's not good. Well, maybe we're not as intimate as we thought we would be. Okay, you know, maybe, you know, that husband is always just playing video games. And so there's another kink in it or, you know, that wife is always watching Instagram or YouTube and, and, and so now it's like all these kinks start happening and we're like, why isn't there any water running through? God is that water and he's trying to get through the hose of your marriage and he's like, you know, you've got so many kinks in here that's blocking the source, me. I need to be the source of your marriage. I need to be the thing where everything flows out of. And when you have all these kinks in the hose, it's not gonna work properly. And when you start having all these kinks in your marriages, God is not gonna be able to push through all those. You need to unkink the hose in your marriage. You need to get those knots out. You need to stop stepping on the hose when it comes to your marriage so that God flows through and you're able to start saying, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do here. I know that I need to spend more time with him here. But so often we just leave the kinks in and we go, well, just imagine if we started kinking up this hose and it's like, well, there's too many kinks. I'll just throw it out. It doesn't work anymore. And I think that's what we're doing in society today when it comes to marriages. We're like, there's too, many, there's too many issues, so we'll just be done with it and not try to get them out. God wants us to value him over everything else. And then out of that value, we begin to value our significant other. Again, that doesn't mean there's problems. It doesn't mean marriage isn't hard. But if we can get the most important relationship right, the vertical one, we will most likely get the horizontal relationship right. Marriage can be a little simpler than we make it if we have the order right.